Welcome to another episode of Electable. I'm Deb Chubb, and our podcast is sponsored by the Indiana Women's Action Movement. Today, we are really fortunate to have with us Susan Thomas, who is the Policy and Legislation Director for Just Transition Northwest Indiana. So I hope I get that close. If not, of course, correct me. But thank you so much for taking the time to to join me and talk about all the environmental issues that are so important in Indiana. Oh, Deb, thank you so much for having me. This is great. So there is so much to talk about. So, but I want to start with um, a little background on you. So, uh, because I think people wonder where their journeys go and how they end up uh, you know, in these kinds of causes. And so I would love to hear you a little bit about your background and how you came to this position. Sure. Well, um, it, it goes sort of way back. Uh, when I went to undergrad in Colorado and um, I, out of uh, that program, I went to work for an environmental think tank. And this Oh, I'm going to really date myself here, Deb. This was before the internet. And um, I literally read every single newspaper that came, uh, came out and it came to an attic in Denver. And I sat there with a pair of scissors and a Sharpie. And I read through every paper in the United States and I coded uh, environmental issues. And then I filed it manually in a filing system. And then we put together graphs, uh, you know, qualitative, quantitative, uh, trends. And then we reported back to our clients. Um, and I will tell you, we had um, some big industrial clients who I will not name who paid our rent. And our goal was to get them to uh, improve their public image by cleaning up and doing the right thing. So from that, um, I was able to get into grad school and I went to Northwestern Medill with journalism since I, I really did have at that point a good background in the state of newsprint across the United States. Um, so that got me into Medill. And um, from there, you know, I thought I'd be a hard hitting war correspondent or continue the environmental work. Uh, I actually went on to write about uh, art and graphic design, which I loved. Um, and it was, um, it, I, I enjoyed it very much, but it didn't quite have the the turbocharge. Um, and, and then of course I had kids and, you know, always working part-time uh, with them and schooling and raising. And by the time they left and, um, you know, I was on my own, uh, middle age, and Trump got elected. And yeah. I thought, um, this is an emergency. This is all hands on deck. And I, I couldn't just do nothing. I couldn't be a keyboard warrior and, you know, continue on. This, this is, we, we are on fire now, especially with climate and uh, the environment. And if, if we don't fix this, we can't deal with any of the other issues. Um, so I, um, and around that same time, Deb, um, I f moved to Beverly Shores, which as you know, is a beautiful little island in the national park. Mm -hmm. uh, I have turkeys and deer and coyote and eagles all going through my backyard. And I thought, isn't this extraordinary? And yet 
on either side of me, I'm surrounded by industry and um, industry that is not uh, being very compliant with clean air laws, clean water laws. And of course, you know, as you know, Trump rolled back uh, all the regulations. And I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, I'm in the middle of, I'm right next to the town of Pines, which is a, a super alternative Superfund site that is still suffering massive impacts from toxic coal ash being com completely decimated that town. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I'm uh, on the other side is Bailey and uh, there also uh, NIPSCO is having to clean up coal ash there. So I didn't realize that I was in the middle of all of this and, um, and I didn't realize there weren't too many people working on this. Um, and so I, I, I uh, met uh, Ashley Williams, our director, and um, I thought, you know what, what can I do for you? I, I have an, a background in uh, environmental trend analysis. Uh, I can write. Mm -hmm. um, let's, what can we do? Turns and out you can do a lot. You can do a lot, yeah. but you know, and, and one person can't do it all. So thank goodness we have uh, some, some wonderful collaborators mm -hmm. and wonderful people on our team. Uh, I would really be remiss if I did not mention the Hoosier Environmental Council who does yeah. tremendous work. Um, the uh, Earth Justice, the lawyers there, um, oh my gosh, um, Citizens Action Coalition, yeah. all of these advocates for consumers and, and health and environment. And you know, I also really want to stress here, Deb, I think there's been a myth in Indiana, in Northwest Indiana, home of steel mills, um, you know, our nation was built on the sweat of coal miners' brows. There is this feeling that you have a choice. It can be jobs right. or it can be the environment. And that is a, a false choice. Absolutely. It is completely incorrect. And we really must dispel this myth. Um, you can do both and you can have amazing union jobs uh, while cleaning up the environment. Absolutely. So, um, well, great. That's awesome background. And, um, and, you know, I grew up in Beverly Shores, so that's, you know, where I learned to love, um, you know, the uh, Lake Michigan uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I live somewhat near the lake now. And so, uh, so I've been, you know, uh, very much in love with Lake Michigan and the beach and the environment here for my whole life. <laughs> but, um, mm -hmm. but uh, um, I, and I love all your background. That's really great. You came from a good technical background and that's wonderful. Uh, and, um, and advocacy, uh, you know, it, anybody can do it. Anybody can be an advocate. So um, you're great that, you know, you had this great education and background, but anybody can do it. Um, uh, anybody know, can do yeah. it. And, and there, there is so much to do. And so, and I know you guys are doing a great job and I know that um, uh, mostly you're focusing on the coal ash cleanup. And, um, you know, you know, we'll just give the thing, you know, Indiana has more coal ash lagoons than any other state in the country. Um, we have them and they, of course, they are mostly all uh, situated right next to waterways. Uh, some of those waterways are sources of drinking water, like in Michigan City, where that sits right next to Lake Michigan, where we draw our uh, drinking water from. Others are on, you know, major rivers or other waterways. So, um, 
putting uh, coal ash full of uh, lead and arsenic and uh, many other very toxic uh, heavy metals uh, on the ground next to a waterway with no liner underneath uh, is obviously um, going to leach and contaminate the waterways. Uh, and whatever else, I mean, whatever other aquifers that people are also drawing water from. Uh, so that is, you know, it's a huge problem and it has to be dealt with. And it, it's one of those problems like uh, separating storm sewers, um, you know, in cities. It's like, it's almost like such a big deal that people are like, I can't even get my head around it, but we have to. And um, luckily we have a democratic president who is also on board with this, uh, the urgency of this kind of work and so is really ready to put a lot of money uh, into fixing these things. Um, so I'm not going to go into separated storm sewers because that's a whole nother topic, but uh, you know, just sticking with the coal ash cleanup. Um, so as you said, um, Trump rolled back uh, the uh, regulations that were governing how to clean up coal ash ponds and um, allowing uh, utilities that are shutting down, uh, well, regardless of whether they're shutting down, they still have to clean up the coal ash lagoons, um, to remove only a portion of them. Um, and so now we saw this ruling from the EPA, right, in the last few weeks um, mm -hmm. that says, no, you have to get rid of all of it. You cannot have any coal ash uh, that is touching groundwater. So, um, so that's enormous. That's enormous. But um, anyway, um, tell us more about what your group is doing, how you're addressing this. And I know that you are really focused on legislation. So of course, we're gonna go right into that. And so, you know, uh, what's and what, you know, so what you're doing and then the legislation uh, that, you know, is not happening that should and is happening that shouldn't. And what do we need to know? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you brought up the EPA ruling. Um, this is a huge win. Um, however, this is the caveat. This, um, uh, we worked on legislation this year and we really, really, uh, we had a, a bill in the House and a bill in the Senate. And what came back to us as, as we knew it would was um, the environment committees in both the House and Senate said, well, EPA is handling this, you know, mm. we don't need to deal with it. And our argument for this was EPA comes and goes with each administration. And, and it can be, as we just saw, extremely drastic. Right. And we really must keep the state safe, no matter what happens at the federal level. Um, so um, that was our plea. Um, unfortunately, it did not... Um, it didn't have any traction, uh, but we did last year. We we um, we worked on the first set of uh, coal ash bills that went out with Karen Talian and Pat Boy, and uh, Karen Talian was so great. She said, "Look, if you write the bill, I'll present it." And it was the week before Thanksgiving, the weekend before, and we had four days before the deadline. And there was about four of us, Indra Frank at the Hoosier Environmental Council, Ashley, myself, uh, some lawyers at Earth Justice, uh, LaTanya Troutman. Uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, we were hammering it out and cutting and deleting and in a group chat and someone would have a feast and someone would go mind the baby and someone would go meet grandpa. And over Thanksgiving, we, we cobbled together these bills, which were the first, the first of their kind. And um, uh, 
so we didn't want to lose that momentum. And so we pushed it again. And um, Pat Boy has been an incredible uh, force for this, both both years, uh, both legislative sessions. Um, we had Rodney Pohl, uh, Karen Talian's replacement, uh, sponsored the Senate bill. Uh, he was able to get two Republican sponsors, by the way, uh, before it died. Uh, we're hoping that um, it will get a summer study. So tell us more about the bill. Well, uh, the bill is asking for, uh, again, this is what the EPA covers, get it out of the floodplain, uh, excavate it, remove it, like you explained so well, it has to be an aligned pit out of the floodplain. Uh, Pat's bill had some added provisions, uh, worker safety, local workers, returning citizens, she wanted them to have priority, uh, transportation safety, both bills also had um, provisions for uh, reuse. There are recyclable elements in toxic coal ash, believe it or not. You can take them out, you can encapsulate them. They can be used in pavement, wallboard, cement. Uh, there are also rare earth elements in there. And there are uh, professors and doctors at Purdue and IU working on how to extract these rare earth elements, which are worth a bazillion dollars that we import from China. This would be huge if we could, and, and the prediction is that will be happening within the next two years. Um, you know, another pushback we got um, from the Indiana Chamber of Commerce as to why they didn't support these bills was because there wasn't enough uh, reuse. Uh, issued in, in the um, legislative language. But again, it's it's a toxic material. You can't just reuse this willy-nilly. Yeah. Uh, it, it must be encapsulated. It must meet stringent safeguards. It, you can't just pave a road with it and be done with it. Um, so these pieces of legislation had safeguards in it to maximize reuse, but maximize it completely safely. Wow. So, all right. Well, so the bill is done for this year too, right? It didn't, didn't get hurt. I'm so. afraid so. I think they're both, um, that's it for them, unless, unless we can get a summer study committee to look at it um, and, and we will present it again next year. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think enough people really know how dangerous and toxic this is. And I think another issue that really needs to be addressed is the economic factor of this. It is much less expensive to clean it up now than it will be down the road. And it's inevitable, you will have to clean this up. Yeah. Do it now. You, there are 24 categories, not 24 jobs, 24 categories of union jobs that are created from a clean closure. There is uh, the, the GDP, um, I believe it's a seven, seven time increase than a cap in place, which is a cement over the problem. So it is really um, economically sound to address this now, it's profitable for our state. Yep. Do this. It's it's 
it's really irresponsible to let it go um, in terms of dollars for the state. Can you direct um, us to the article, that report um, that um, I think you or Ashley sent to me, which was great, and it talked about the economic impact of a clean closure. Um, you bet. What is the, uh, yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I have it right here. <laughs> oh, good. This good. is it. It is the, let me get it in there. The, it's the Cleaning Up Coal Ash for Good. And we, we sponsored this along with Earth Justice. Uh, if you go to our website, you will find a link to it. And that's www.jtnwi.org. And this is a case study of Michigan City and uh, two others, uh, not in Indiana, but it compares, it gives you a really good analysis across the United States of the economic benefits, the job benefits, the uh, GDP benefits, all in chart form, handy, really easy to um, comprehend. Anyone can comprehend this. Um, and it yeah, specifically it looks report. at, great report. It specifically looks at Michigan City. And it's incredible. It is really an incredible um, piece of uh, data. Great. So I want to, like, going forward, um, I, and I, I have to say um, the environmental um, legislative process is just, is just so sad and pathetic. Mm -hmm. I spoke with a state rep uh, last night who's on the environment, environmental committee and on the natural resources committee. And she said, yeah, we heard one bill in the environment committee and one bill in the natural resources committee. I mean, most committees, you know, they did tens of, you know, dozens of bills that they, you know, that they consider and hear comments on. So, I mean, it's just, it's just so sad. It's such a, you know, just a blatant, uh, just disregard for any, any environmental issues in, uh, in this state. And it's just, it's frightening. And I think, you know, people think, well, well, we'll make some bills and we'll do it. Yeah. But, you know, if you're like, just I mean, the whole topic is shut down uh, at the state house. And so there's not even any discussion about it. So there's no reporting on it because there's nothing to report because they won't have a hearing. And it's just, you know, it's just very frustrating. And I, uh, and I just, I hate the way that that ends up appearing. It appears as if, you know, nobody's doing anything um, uh, because that's just not true. It's just that the Republican supermajority has tried to shut down this whole topic uh, for even conversation. Uh, you know, frightening in the face of a climate crisis and of all the toxic uh, contamination uh, that are going to impact health all over the state. Yeah. So, um, so going forward, though, I am, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, coalition building. And, you know, there have been some really great environmental groups uh, that have come uh, come up in the last several years, you know, Confront the Climate Crisis is just an amazing group of uh, high schoolers based in uh, Lafayette. Um, and uh, uh, Rahul Durai, um, I had did a podcast with him. He was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, just amazing. His level of uh, competence oh. in legislating oh is just really amazing. I mean, he's 15 years old. <laughs> so anyway, so there are groups like that. And then I know, too, that um, this year they launched an environmental pack. Um, and I went down for that. So, so this is a new organization that's um, raising funds uh, for a political action committee that can be used to support the campaigns of environmentally informed and uh, passionate candidates in the state of Indiana. So there was that. And then, of course, there's Hoosier Action down in the southern uh, part of the yeah. state, um, mm -hmm. who you know focuses, really comes in from the health 
uh, angle, um, but mm -hmm. really, you know, is discussing all kinds of uh, environmental contamination uh, that impacts health. And then, of course, there's um, Save the Dunes and Hoosier Environmental Council. Uh, and you named um, another one that I... Earth Justice. Earth Justice. And then there's um, uh, Earth Charter, uh, which mm -hmm. is... Earth Charter, that's right. A terrific organization, mm -hmm. Jim Poiser, is just a wonderful, amazing what he's done in Indianapolis yeah. with that group. Um, so what can we what can we do about, you know, getting these groups together and really trying to create a, just a bigger coalition uh, that can have a little more impact, hopefully? Well, uh, interesting that you bring this up because these groups are actually starting to come together and having discussions and having roundtables and sharing strategies. Um, I, I think that, you know, the legislation is not gonna change overnight. So we all have to think about how, how can we approach this in a way to make some inroads. And uh, really it, it has to be, we have to look at the brain drain happening in Indiana that's been going on for decades, Deb. And in fact, you brought this up to Rahul saying, please come back, yeah. <laughs> which I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, you know, Indiana is number one for toxic emissions. That is not something we want to win. And yet here we are. Now, why would you stay here? Why would you relocate here? Knowing that this could impact your property value your health, your children's uh, uh, development on every single level. Um, I think we really need to push this message. If it's good for the environment, it's good for the economy. Um, this cannot be separated anymore. And we have uh, you know the amount of money coming in from the double track project, from the oh, ready yeah. grants. This is astounding. This yeah. is game changing. Now, right. if we right. just want- Just to clarify, 400 million coming into Northwest Indiana for the double track project, another 50 million awarded um, through the Ready Grant, which is the American Rescue Plan, of course. Um, okay, and you know, of course, I just wanna mention, of course, that none, no Republican Congress people voted in favor of that or, you know, but thank goodness there are great Democratic Congress people elsewhere who managed to pass that bill. Um, and then, of course, the infrastructure bill. That's not, you know, it's not even including That's the right. infrastructure. They call, That's right. It's sometimes called the jobs bill, um, which is going to uh, bring in, I don't know, I mean, billions. I, you know, I think the it's, last I heard was we nine have not seen anything like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah huge. So, sorry. Go ahead. But but let's you know let's do it right. Let's finish right. the job. Let's you know we we have the Michigan City Generating Station, they, they only plan to remove 10% of their toxic coal ash that's sitting on the lake. 90% is gonna stay there in a brown field and get redeveloped as what? It's only going to continue to impact the health and economy of that area. We've got this boatload of money coming in. Do it right clean it up. You know, we learned this in kindergarten, you make a mess, you clean it up, clean it up so that we can, you know, have this money come in for a really prosperous future, not to have to go back at a later date with a super fund emergency. You know, unfortunately, Deb, sometimes it's, it takes a crisis or a disaster for people to really wake up and see like, oh my God, you know, I had no idea this was happening here. 
this could happen at any moment. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want, we don't want to be the, the, the town criers about all this. Um, let's, let's take care of it now so that we can avert a crisis. Right. And let's help build our economy. Uh, build yeah. the economy. My God, this is, this is all so interconnected. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can provide jobs and benefits and, um, you know, support a middle class uh, without having to build a, a huge factory somewhere right. uh, to start a new business. So, right. um, uh, so this is, uh, this is so great for the economy and it could make such a big difference. So, uh, so the bill that you introduced this year, you plan to introduce again. Um, I was sad to see, yeah, you know, so you can't even get a hearing even when you've got uh, two Republicans um, signed <laughs> on to it. Um, and, and poor Rahul um, had a Republican uh Alting, I can't remember if he's a senator. Or Alting, or that's right. He really championed this. Right? Yeah, a Republican from Lafayette who um, brought uh, Rahul's uh, organization's bill, which is to create a climate change, climate crisis task force uh, in Indiana. Couldn't even get that. Uh, and, and I don't even. I don't. Did they even pass the? They they didn't pass the resolution either. He was also introducing this Republican senator representative. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one. Um, was introducing a resolution just to acknowledge the climate crisis. Uh, couldn't even get that passed, just a resolution. I mean, you know, nothing, no money, no nothing you have to put with that. So, um, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, I hate to, you know, sound like a broken record, but clearly we just need to elect more Democrats <laughs> to the state house. Uh, or, uh, you know, or at least more Republicans, I guess, who care about the environment. Um, it is shocking. It is just shocking uh, the um, kind of consistent uh, uh, shutdown um, about environmental issues um, by the supermajority in the state house. So um, lucky that we have a good administration at the federal level. And of course, I always have to say too, I'm so proud that uh, you know we have some uh, great women from Indiana who are uh, at the EPA now. Uh, Janet McCabe, who was at oh IU running that uh, Resiliency Institute. Who was doing phenomenal work providing uh, local municipalities with actual tools to uh, measure the CO2s and uh, you know and define them so that people could then use more tools that she created to address those uh, sources of CO2s. Uh, and now she's at um, she's at the EPA and also um, Deborah Shore, who actually was from Chicago, right. but she has she has a house out here too, so we can claim her. And uh, now she's at Region 5 in Chicago as well. So excellent work coming out of the EPA right now. Um, and then there was another ruling from the EPA that we should mention uh, that dealt with coal ash um, lagoons. And, um, and that was just really like not allowing any um, extensions of time. Is that right? Yes. So there, it was a two-part, um, uh, I don't two-pronged, uh, out, outgrowth of the ruling uh, last week. And one was to allow for an extension uh, and uh, five coal plants in Indiana applied for that. And the other one was just a blanket ruling. Um, let's see, I actually have it written down here. Um, The second part will impact every coal ash site in Indiana because it, it will determine how coal ash is handled at all sites. Um, so it was a two-part um, thing. And it, 
even I couldn't understand it at the beginning. And then we had the legislative session on top of this. So it was a big scramble to sort of um, figure it all out. But um, it was a compliance issue. And they figured out like, oh, you haven't really been complying. And, and unfortunately, IDEM, which has been underfunded, understaffed for decades, mm-hmm. uh, has been letting things slide toward the utilities way of interpreting the law. And so with this second part, with the compliance obligation, uh, they really can't do that anymore. So, um, you know, and this will take time to implement. Um, You know, we were, that's why we were really pushing for the legislation. So we would really have a full uh, package coverage of this, if you will. Uh Um, But we got the EPA ruling and that is certainly, uh, that is certainly something to be celebrated. Great. All right. There's one more thing I want to mention sure. about your organization, and that is the um, uh, community engagement that you've been doing. Um, yeah. uh, that is so uh, impressive. I mean, it's so important, uh, especially in environmental issues, because we know that uh, they often impact um, low-income areas and uh, neighborhoods uh, with people of color more than uh, others. And so I think that's an important component of your work. Um, uh, you know, there, there is a, a terrific uh, EPA environmental justice grant out there that um, I've always encouraged people to do. I wish I had time to, to file it, um, but, uh, but they put out a great uh, tool to, to do that, which I thought was great. But you, you were all doing that work. And so, and I'll say again about Michigan City that um, the coal ash lagoons here are next to, of course, the uh, electricity generating plant. And that is located in a neighborhood that has been traditionally lower income and people of color. And so um, so when we talked about cleaning it up, I don't know how long ago this was now, I, I've lost track of what was a year ago and what was three years ago. Um, but we were talking about um, removing the coal ash before. And, and um, you know, it was great because you guys were out there in the community and you found information that really had to alter the plan uh, about cleanup uh, because they found that uh, people of color and people in low-income neighborhoods are more susceptible to, um, uh, to lung issues uh, and also you know, would implicate COVID in that. And, um, and that you know, we had to change the plan. We had to make sure the plan was addressing that danger, that possibility of you know uh, uh, harming the health of that local community. So tell us a little bit more about that, because I sure. Well, you know, environmental justice issues are. I mean, those. That's the core of environmentalism, and what we have in Michigan City is um, a minority uh, community, mostly black, brown. Um, a quarter of that population uh, is struggling on a daily basis to get their daily needs met. So um, people are working two jobs, three jobs, caring for elderly relatives, children. Um, They don't have time to work on this. You know, it might be in their backyard, but just trying to survive and stay afloat is more than a full-time job. And uh, they are not... And, you know, also in we I would be remiss if I didn't mention what's happening in Gary right now. Yeah. Um, you know, there uh, there's a uh, garbage to jet fuel uh, factory being proposed for the lakeshore right on uh, 
in Buffington Harbor in Gary. Oh, nice. um, you know, and this community has also been completely devastated oh, yeah. by uh, industrial uh, air and water impacts, health, oh. learning issues, oh, yeah. um, all of that. How much more can one population sustain? They have, we've passed the tipping point. Um, now we, we really must have to uh, come in with remedies immediately. It, no more overloading uh, of what the land can take or what the population can take. These populations have been stressed uh, for, for decades and decades. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, what can we do to help? Oh, help thank you for asking that, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it really doesn't take much. I think people get very overwhelmed and, and they, they get hopeless and then they get helpless. And, um, you know, everyone can do something. Um, you can uh, join one of these organizations, become a member of the Sierra Club, who's your environmental council. You could, if you don't have time, but you have some extra, you know, you make some donations, write a check to some of these organizations. Um, they always are looking for volunteers. Do you have a skill that they can use? Call them. I assure you, we all, every single one of us would be happy to get that phone call and we would put you to work. If you don't feel like you have a skill, we can, we can find out what you would be interested in to create that. Um, we have had, we have been very lucky. We've had a couple of folks um, come into our organization like that. And oh my God, have they just done amazing work with us. And um, so everyone can do something, um, and, but you cannot sit back and be a keyboard warrior anymore. That doesn't do anything. You can't go on Facebook and say, this is bad. Um, it, it's really action right now. And it is an all hands on deck moment. So every single one of us can do something. If you only have an hour a week, I have something to give you that you could work on for an hour a week. Um, and we all do. So um, please, please don't be shy. We, we really, truly, all of us would welcome any volunteers. Great. All right. So, um, so we'll, um, I, I'll ask you to tell us your website one more time and sure. uh, handles for social media. Um, well, we are just transition Northwest Indiana and our website is uh, www.jtnwi.org. Um, and if you go there, we have a blog, we have, um, we have our petition there, which would be great. Here's something you could do. Uh, you could go onto our website and you could sign our petition. Uh, we're asking NIPSCO to clean up all of their coal ash on Lake Michigan. It is separated by a corroded aging steel wall that is leaking, that is tilted. This is the disaster that we are fearing. And that must all get removed from the lake. So that is a really simple thing you could do. Sign our petition. Get on folks' mailing lists. Stay involved. That's a, another great way to stay involved. Um, so yeah, find us. We're not that, we're not that difficult to find. Right. And I'm sure you're on social media as well. You're on. Oh, um, totally. We're on social media. Yep. Okay. Great. Great. And, uh, what's the handles? Oh, just go on Facebook. We're, we're just transition NWI okay. right. and, um, Instagram as well. So great. Great. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, so it's, it's terrible, but there's always hope. 
there's always hope. I mean, uh, uh, people like you and I, I think are just, you know, uh, eternal optimists and you can't help it. Even though we sound, you know, we complain all the time, uh, we still know that there is much to be done and it can be done and we can do it. So, um, so thank you so much for being with us and, and all of the work that you are doing, because this is just uh -huh. such important work. And, thank um, you, Deb. And likewise, right back at you. Thank yeah, you very thanks. much. <laughs> thanks. All right. Great. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.